0: We now move to the final case on the docket today, which is Lawrence versus the State of Florida.
1: Chief Justice Kennedy, Uh, Justices, I'm Barbara Besharas representing Mr. Lawrence. I've asked to reserve five minutes of my time uh, for rebuttal. Um, uh, Unless the court prefers otherwise, I'd like to focus on proportionality uh, this morning uh, and talk about why Mr. Lawrence's uh, sentence is not proportional uh, and also try to uh, address the uh, argument that the state raised in the answer brief about whether proportionality review should be undertaken at all um, in this this case and as a general matter of law in the, the state of Florida. Um, The proportionality argument uh, relating to Mr. Lawrence's sentence was, uh, as the the court is aware, um, rejected uh, the first time that he was sentenced and uh, on his first direct appeal. However, at his resentencing, there was uh, compelling and and extensive uh, evidence provided by an expert, Dr. Wu, of uh, brain damage suffered by Mr. Lawrence as a child of of structural changes uh, in the brain um, that were directly uh, attributable in the expert opinion to that early brain damage, as well as to subsequent um, events that happened to him. Um, And that these uh, brain injuries and changes in his brain Uh, directly affected his ability to to regulate his behavior uh, made him more of a follower uh, of others uh, and and played a role in the the undeniably uh, awful events that happened back in uh, I think 1998 when this original crime took place the uh, the record of the sentencing, which as as you've seen was was not was a sentencing at which he waived mitigation, so it was simply a presentation of mitigation rather than arguing mitigation. Um, also included uh, testimony from the uh, Mr. Lawrence's sister actually two of his sisters, but one in particular testified about his limitations um, and and testified that he could not even remain employed in the family business because he was unable to uh, remember um, simple things like taking hoses off a truck. Um, His short-term memory was, was so damaged. And so um, I know throughout this case, the the premeditation has been a huge issue, and there is undeniable inf- uh, evidence of planning in this case, um, as, as we as we conceded in the initial brief. But that has to be seen in context, in the context of somebody who who could not remember simple tasks without writing anything down. It's not necessarily evidence of of extensive premeditation in the sense of somebody who actually conceived of a, a crime on his own and came up with the the ways to carry it out. Um, the, the cases that we relied on in the initial brief for proportionality uh, included uh, Johnson, um, where, where like Mr. Lawrence, the defendant was a principal um, in the prior felonies that that supported the, um, the finding of an aggravator for based on prior felonies. Um, here, Mr. Lawrence was uh, was a principal um, in the other events um, that took place with his co-defendant. Um, he, uh, you know, there were two prior offenses that he that he pled to. Um, one involved shooting at somebody, which which uh, fortunately did not result in a death. Um, and in that instance the co-defendant actually fired the shot um, and the other involved the stabbing death of Mr. Lawrence's cousin and there too he was not the initial aggressor um, but but participated in the crime after his co-defendant had um, struck several blows so uh, we offered Johnson as an example of a case where the prior felonies were not ones where the the defendant was uh, the leader, in any sense, uh, and and thus that a sentence of death was was disproportionate. Um, but uh, moving moving on uh, if to the larger issue of whether proportionality review should be conducted at all, um, the proportionality review under Florida law, uh, at its foundation, is based in due process. The, there are numerous uh, cases, and um, I believe Justice Kennedy listed them in, in your dissent in the Jakob decision, numerous cases citing uh, the Florida Constitution's prohibition against cruel or unusual punishment as the source of proportionality review. And the same language reappears over and over again because cases cite each other over and over again. Um, but, but going back In in the the line of Florida death penalty cases talking about proportionality, what it's really based in is due process and the process that is required when you are going to extract the most severe, the most irrevocable punishment uh, for a particular crime. Um, the, one of the early cases that's usually cited, State v. Dixon, is the case that said death is a unique punishment in its finality and its total rejection of the possibility of rehabilitation. It is proper, therefore, that the legislature has chosen to reserve its application to only the most aggravated and unmitigated of most serious crimes. Um, proportionality review is the way this court has always affected, um, that goal of making sure that the death sentence is reserved for the most aggravated and the least mitigated of crimes. Could you Um,
0: articulate though, I mean, what would the, so proportionality review under that sense would be sort of a means to an end of ensuring that a particular due process test was met, but when I've, it seems like in the case law, even when there's a discussion of what the due process requirements might be it would be an individualized consideration something that makes sure that y- there isn't a freakish or wanton imposition of the death penalty I mean, why why isn't why aren't all the safeguards and all the process that are built in that make sure that you know in the defendant's own case that you know the nature of the crime and the defendant and all the Mitigation is considered. Why wouldn't that satisfy any due process requirement? In in terms of the way that, that that's articulated in the case law, and if really the issue is that it's a substantive prohibition on you know the unusualness of the punishment for someone in those in those circumstances, then you're really right back at the uh, you know Eighth Amendment issue, and Correct. it's not independently due process.
1: I, I agree, Your Honor. And if, that's, if that's the foundation, um, th- that you're avoiding the unusual punishment, um, then, then that would, would have to fail in light of the conformity clause. But what the, the due process concern is, is that the, the punishment is so severe and so final um, that it has to be subject to heightened scrutiny. Um, and that's why uh, Tillman, um, for example, uh, a decision of this court referred not just to the the prohibition against cruel or unusual punishment, but also to the due process clause and and to the exclusive grant of jurisdiction to this court to review death penalties. One of the goals of that being some measure of uniformity in-
0: I I, I struggle to see how a grant of jurisdiction to us becomes the basis for a substantive requirement that we impose. I just, mm-hmm. It just seems to me to be a logical leap. I'm not saying that that's not suggested in the earlier cases, mm-hmm. but uh, at least the, uh, the one you mentioned, but I, I just find that very mm-hmm. unconvincing and unreasoned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell um, me why I'm missing something there.
1: Your Honor, I I think it goes, it really goes back to the the due process that's required when you're going to extract the final punishment, the most irrevocable punishment. Um, It also relates to uh, the confidence in the system that imposes that punishment, that you don't have uh, people who are punished differently when they are similarly situated. That's what proportionality review gets at. Um, it, It... and this, this may respond somewhat to, to your question, too, Justice Muniz. It gets to the situation um, that, that you pointed out in, in Jakob, where, where you agreed that the, uh, the, the death penalty was disproportionate for that particular defendant, which means that compared to other well, I, I agreed that under um, our case law— Under the case law— That would
0: be the conclusion that Decades would be, of case that law. That would result, based yes. on the case law.
1: Right. Decades of— which I disagreed. Of, Decades of, I I understand that, Justice Kennedy. Decades of case law looking at, at situations where people are being sentenced to death, looking at their backgrounds, looking at their prior crimes, looking at all the other aggravators. Um, Have produced a body of law where it was possible to point to someone and say this person is being sentenced too severely without Proportionality review that final safeguard would not take place And And I think the
0: issue though is sorry to interrupt you is that that's a substantive Issue that points you in the direction of the eighth amendment and that to the extent you're talking about process that clearly our death penalty statute and all the procedures that are built in would be sufficient to meet whatever the the test of due process looking at that independently whatever the, however you would articulate that however the various ways mm-hmm. i've seen it articulated it seems like we go you know we easily cross whatever that threshold would mm-hmm. be without proportionality review
1: that that may very well be um, uh, Your Honor, but that doesn't preclude proportionality review as a matter of state law. Uh, the Supreme Court has upheld statutes that included, or, or systems but it, that it's not It's not
0: required as part of state statutory law. Clearly not proportionality review. It is, correct?
1: Proportionality review is currently not directly required right. under state statute, but it is required by court rule that's been in place since 2005. Um, and then incorporated by reference in state statutory law, which says that sentences shall be imposed uh, in accord with, and I'm paraphrasing, but in accord with rules of this court. So the rules of this court since 2005 have explicitly included proportionality review. But that, but that rule
0: simply is a reflection of what our case law required.
1: The rule was put in place to reflect I mean, we I mean, we don't make
0: substantive law mm-hmm. in, our, in our rules of procedure. Mm-hmm. And the legislature couldn't, right. couldn't tell us that we have that authority, right? I mean, uh, the legislature no, can't the legi- authorize us to adopt substantive law in our rules.
1: But the legislature being aware that that is the court's practice um, has allowed that to stand since 2005. Um, that rule's been in place since then. The The death penalty statute, the sentencing provisions have been amended numerous times since that. Um, starting in 2005, um, several times in between the amendments in 2016 in response to Hearst, but then again in 2016 and 17. During all of that time, there was a rule in place requiring proportionality review, which was incorporated by reference in Florida statutes, and that was never eliminated or altered. Well, if
0: we were to to change the rule and mm -hmm. eliminate proportionality, the legislature would be free to enact a statute that required it, right? Uh,
1: I believe so, Justice Wilson. I believe that, again, as a matter of state law, um, the legislature could require proportionality review because the Supreme Court has, repeat, has repeatedly said, we don't require it, but we don't prohibit it. Um, it's simply not it's not required, um, as you were saying earlier, Justice Muniz, it's not required uh, constitutionally as part of that minimum set of guarantees to make sure that there is individualized sentencing determination um, but but it is required um, through Uh, many decades of precedent in Florida, which was then incorporated into a court rule and has been allowed to stand since 2005, which makes proportionality review uh, part of the due process that a a capital defendant gets before the state sentences him or her to death. Makes it part of the review uh, that ensures that similarly situated defendants will not Uh, be sentenced differently because they were tried in front of a different judge. Um, And I I think it's also worth worth noting that in the proportionality review, it's very clear that this court doesn't second-guess the trial judge. It's not an appeal of what the trial judge thought were significant mitigators or aggravating circumstances. This court accepts those findings as they are. Um, But given that deference to the trial court's findings, the proportionality review provides one final safeguard to make sure that, that defendants are sentenced with some consistency across the state of Florida, uh, which which I would argue is essential when you're imposing this punishment. It's essential for the the due process that's that's due to that defendant, and also uh, essential for confidence in the judicial system that 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 punishment is not extracted differently depending on which trial court um, heard a, a particular defendant's trial. Um, If there are no further questions, I'll I'll reserve the remainder of my time. Thank you, Your Honors.
2: Chief Justice Kennedy, may it please the court. Charmaine Millsaps representing the state. Um, I'd like to talk about some of the supplemental authority I provided to the court. Um, uh, On on the first issue, I know they. uh, I just would like... I'm not going to tell this court what this court just wrote in pool but you did find that that uh, sufficiency of aggravators and weighings were not facts but there's a recent case from the United States Supreme Court which I provided as supplemental authority which is McKinney versus Arizona and in that case the defendant McKinney was arguing that in the wake of ring and Hearst versus Florida, that an appellate court could no longer do um, reweighing uh, under Clement. Traditionally, appellate courts have been allowed to, when there's error in the case regarding either the aggravators or the mitigators, could reweigh itself. And McKinney argued no, that in the wake of Hearst and, and Ring, that appellate courts could no longer uh, reweigh. That that had to be performed by the jury, and the United States Supreme Court, mirroring a lot of the language that this court also had in Ring, uh, quoting the same sort of thing, rejected that argument and said reweighing can be still done by an appellate court. That the only requirement uh, that we imp- that Ring and Hearst uh, require is the finding of one aggravator, and any findings beyond that, such as sufficiency in weighing. Um, may be done by the judge or in mckinney's case by an appellate panel so what they said is the findings required by the sixth amendment mckinney was obviously a sixth amendment case they said our sixth amendment jurisprudence requires the finding of one aggravator and any additional findings may be made by the judge and they quoted uh, uh um they quoted they qu- code, qu- quoted the exact same language this court had quoted in Pool, uh, so so that I think that establishes McKinney establishes that this court in Pool is reading the Sixth Amendment requirement correctly. Uh, moving on to proportionality, first I'd like to uh, uh, establish uh, that this. Death in this case is uh, actually proportionate. Um, I provided supplemental authority of DODI, and uh, recently this court said in a Hearst resentencing case where the same uh, aggravation was found at the uh, second penalty phase as in the first penalty phase, you said there's no reason to uh, change your analysis the first time you'd found uh the sentence proportional in that case so you said we're going to when the same aggravators and mitigators are involved we're going to find it proportionate again and we see no reason to change our analysis that's exactly what we've got here your honor we've got a uh a hearst resentencing where the aggravation was the same. The same two aggravators were found, prior violent felony and CCP, and they were given a great weight both the first time and the second time. The mitigation is a little different, but it's uh, less. And I think your, your case in Doty applies even more when it's the same mitigation but less or different. Uh, mitigation. So uh, this court should follow its precedent in this case and find that this death sentence is proportional. Now I'd also like to uh, talk about, uh, I take their attack on proportionality to be this, that Lawrence is more of a follower than a leader and the co-defendant was more the leader. But Your Honor, that's, that's just not an accurate description of this crime uh, the, the, and the two prior felonies. Uh, Lawrence and his co-defendant, Rogers, are both serial, serial killers. The first time around, uh, it was Lawrence who got a friend of his from high school. He, had, uh, to, he got a friend of his to purchase the gun that both shot the first victim in the back and shot uh and that Rogers shot this victim in this case in the head with so the gun that is involved the murder weapon in this case and the weapon used to shoot the first victim there were three incidents that occurred about three weeks apart ending in the murder of this teenage girl, Jennifer uh, Robinson. So, but the first one, both of those, it is Lawrence who purchased the gun. He got a friend of his to uh, buy the gun because he had uh, priors. It it would be illegal for him to tame the gun, so he got his friend to to do it. And so he's the one purchasing the gun. Lawrence was the one driving around that night uh, with the first victim. Yes, it was Rogers who got out and shot the victim, but then he—they both drove away. So Lawrence knows these are plans. These are these are plans to kill. This is a conspiracy between two people to engage in serial killing. So there's just you—the idea that he's just some sort of follower. Co-conspirators are co-conspirators, they're not followers. And in the second, uh, the murder of his cousin, and the second one, uh, they both had knives, but it was Lawrence who, when his cousin was on the ground, stabbed him four times in the back. It's Lawrence who actually killed his cousin. The, the, The fatal wounds were inflicted by Lawrence. And here, they were both involved. uh, They uh, uh, took the victim's calf, and it was found in Lawrence's refrigerator. Understand this is straight off the scale in terms of heightened premeditation. They were both uh, to-do lists and supply lists, and Lawrence is writing those lists. They're in his handwriting, and he's the one getting the, the things that they are using to kill with, including the gun, uh, the, 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 the alcohol to uh, intoxicate her, um, the uh, film for the Polaroid. Uh, all that it, are things that Lawrence is doing. He's getting the implements to, to, to commit these murders. I'm
0: sorry to interrupt you, can I ask you a question about the, the broader legal issue? It looks like reading your brief on page 45, you seem to take the position that the legislature wouldn't have the authority to require proportionality review. Is that really your position?
2: Your Honor as I understand conformity clause, a lot of times, depending on the way they're worded, they can bind not just courts but the legislature as well, because it can be the word, the uh will of the people of the state of Florida that this will not be engaged in. You have to look at the exact language of the conformity clause to see whether a statute could be um, enact, enacted. but but, your honor conformity clauses can bind legislatures as well now we our statute does not do that right no i mean i i agree with you
0: on that i was just kind of surprised to see that see that argument because it it, it seems like the legislature could obviously require it and not be purporting to be enforcing and you know the eighth amendment i mean it it can the, the legislature can go beyond i think the problem is is that if the conformity clause works the way Chief Justice Candidate's dissent suggested it did is that we would essentially be interpreting the Constitution to require a substantive rule that goes beyond the Eighth Amendment and we're you know we're prohibited from doing that but I don't I don't see how you could it doesn't seem plausible to say to suggest that the legislature, if it chose to explicitly require that, which it hasn't.
2: Yeah, you know, I think ours does more toward the courts. It's limited more. It talks about interpretation. So I think it, it, it depends on. But remember, a constitutional amendment uh, could be worded that the people of the state don't want either the legislature or the courts to do something. But usually it says interpretation. Usually conformity clauses are, are designed to limit courts, not legislatures. OK. So um, but I think her you, argument. What's
0: your position? So it, it, it does do you think that proportionality review, uh, I know the brief suggested that it was hard to actually apply in practice, but do you Is it, what's the state's position on sort of the value of proportionality review? What does it, does it, is it worth it? Does it serve a a useful purpose? Does it, does it, you know, make the death penalty more appropriately enforced? I mean, what's, what's your position on that?
2: Well, I think we have better safeguards than that. Um, Your Honor, I use the example of New Jersey. Um, New Jersey did a very detailed, where they were trying to literally um, mathematically uh, do proportionality review, and quite frankly, it didn't work. So no, one of the reasons I don't think it's a very good safeguard is because I don't think it works very well. Um, Here's what I think a better safeguard is that our statute does have. We don't have jury sentencing, We we have jury. We have a jury recommendation, but then we have a judge doing an independent. You don't, it's not, dissonance uh, in Florida requires two separate actors. And that's a much more, uh, one, uh, the jury, but the, the judge has to agree. And he has independent power that's not even reviewable, Your Honor. So that's a much better safeguard. Uh, we, are, we are safeguarding more than states with, plain jury sentencing in capital cases. So I don't think it is a very good safeguard because I you as I understand, New Jersey, they they did it, they hired a mathematician, they hired a special um, 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 magistrate, uh, magistrate to review, they were doing nothing but proportionality to try to make it truly even, and it didn't work. And nobody even pretends that it worked. So I don't think it is a very, I think you're asking me, it's practicality, and I don't think it is very practical. I think what you end up doing is, is doing a lot of what the court does, categorical, no, we're not gonna do those. And so you're not, for the majority of them, it, it, it's not practical. So I don't think it is a good safeguard. But I take her argument to be more in due process, that we don't have a conformity clause regarding due process. So they're trying, she's trying to put this, first of all, it's due process. process. Due process is about process. It's about the procedures used to get somewhere. Uh, what she's really trying to create is a substantive due process. And Your Honor, when we have a specific provision, a specific uh, controls over general, but that's true for conformity clauses too. So there is no i 'm not aware of uh, any substantive due process right Your honor the the constitutional provision that governs here is the Eighth Amendment and the Eighth Amendment, and we have a conformity clause requiring this court 's case law to match the conform uh, match the United States Supreme Court case law regarding the Eighth Amendment but um, going back i I, I do under Doty following the same logic as doty. Uh, because the aggravation was exactly the same, including the weight given by both the first time and the second time, and m- the mitigation found was a little less, but really more accurately described as different. Uh, this court should find that sentence proportional if you are going to engage in proportionality review. Um, I don't think it's very debatable. So if we, if we have a
0: 50-year history of doing proportionality review. And if it turns out that the greater weight of the legal arguments are are that, that we actually now, in light of the conformity clause, lack the authority to do that, what, from the state's perspective, what is the value of receding from that in a case where let's just assume for argument that clearly this death sentence would be proportional? I mean, what is the, I'm curious to hear what your, what's the argument as to why this should be the case in which the court Recedes from that if the court thinks that that's the right, the right legal answer.
2: Okay, Your Honor, I take your your question to be: Do we really have to reach this issue in this case, given if if we're going to decide to hold the death sentence to be proportional? And the answer is no. You don't have to reach the proportionality. Um, the only case you would have to reach whether the proportionality uh, review by this court violates the conformity clause would be one in which you were going to hold that the death sentence was not proportionate. This is not that case because this is clearly that proportionate. Now, I don't think it's, I do have a little dispute about saying 50 years. Remember something, Your Honor, the conformity clause came in No, I understand. I
0: mean, but all I'm saying is that ever since we had the post-Furman reenactment of the death penalty statute, the court, again, not tying it to the statute, but I think in Dixon, the court kind of predicted that proportionality review was going to be a part of it. We've continued to do that. I understand the argument that the enactment of the conformity clause changed the legal landscape and took away our authority to do it. My point is, as a matter of prudence for the court, why is this the right case in which, if the right answer is to recede, why is this the case in which to do that? The legislature, as far as I understand, you know, they 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 may have been operating under the assumption that this was all okay. We, you know, this court institutionally hasn't signaled, you know, majority hasn't signaled problems with it. You know, we don't know if the legislature would want us to be doing proportionality review. I mean, so I'm just curious what what your you know how you address that your honor you really
2: the only case you would have to address it would be a case in which you were going to find the death sentence disproportionate that would be the threshold legal issue if you're going to find this sentence if you're going to fo- follow uh, a finding that the death sentence in this case is proportionate which you certainly should do based not only on lawrence's not only on this court's prior decision in lawrence but in the co-defendant's case Rogers, you also found the death sentence proportionate. If you're going to find a sentence proportionate, you are not, as a matter of prudence, required to address this issue until you have a case in which you're going to find a death sentence disproportionate. I hope that answers your question. Okay. Thank you very much for your time. And this sentence is proportionate, and we ask you to affirm both the convictions, uh, and the, which was not even on the table, and the death sentence, and find it proportionate. Thank you.
1: Um, your Honors, we agree that the Eighth Amendment controls And the way that the conformity clause would bar proportionality Mm -hmm. review is if that was the only basis for proportionality review in Florida. Then I would have to agree that the conformity clause. Um, strips away the basis for that jurisdiction. It's not, uh, for that exercise of of jurisdiction, it's not the only basis for proportionality review. Um, If you want to interpret uh, Florida law, continue interpreting it in conformance with uh, Supreme Court jurisprudence, Proportionality review has never been prohibited um, by the Supreme Court, and, and statutes have repeatedly been upheld that include it. Um, I, I, think
0: I, th- I think the question would be whether there's another valid basis. I yes. mean, there's certainly been other articulated bases, but um, as we've talked about in prior questioning, if those are not convincing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and we conclude that there's not another valid basis, then that would require us to recede from that precedent in the right case, correct?
1: Uh, It might, Your Honor. Um, We would would think that this is neither the right case nor the the right result because of the recognition under Florida law that death is different. Um, Death sentences deserve that additional level of scrutiny um, that ensures that people are similarly treated when the the state is going to extract that that final punishment for a crime. Um, If There are no other questions. um, Thank you, Your Honors.
0: Right. Well, we thank you both for your arguments. And court is now adjourned.